Hello, everyone. First of all, I'd love to thank you for tuning in to the Integrative Thoughts podcast. I am your host, Matt Kaufman. And through this platform, I plan on seeking out guests that interest me, that I am curious about, and overall just living a more meaningful, purposeful life in hopes that you as listeners and I myself can grasp onto a little bit of their knowledge and integrate that into our daily lives. Are you having trouble losing weight? Do you get extreme food cravings, especially at night? What about the inability to lose weight even when you cut calories and do a lot of exercise? I know I fell into this category for pretty much most of my life. It's actually probably not even your fault. You most likely have what's called leptin resistance. Leptin is actually a hormone made by the fat cells that regulates food intake and energy expenditure by communicating with the brain. The more fat you have, the more negative leptin messages are actually being sent to your brain. This creates what's called leptin resistance and is going to sabotage all dieting efforts and causes food cravings even when you have enough fat stored. Introducing Zenith, this is an all-new, completely natural formula that gently decreases leptin levels to restore accurate communication between fat cells in the brain. Zenith contains zero harmful stimulants. It's made of all-natural polysaccharides and acetylated fatty acids, very safe for long-term weight loss plans, and it is made in the USA. In an eight-week, university-conducted, double-blind, placebo-controlled study, participants lost 21.3 pounds of fat, lost almost four inches off their waistline, and reduced serum leptin levels by 43%. So if you or someone you know, someone you really love is struggling with weight loss, head down to the show notes. I'll have a link there and a few videos where you can learn more information about Zenith. So listen, I've been experimenting with different types of minerals, especially magnesium, for the past five to six years. But I could never really find a product that I could feel the benefits that magnesium claimed to give. Magnesium is one of the most important minerals for all of human health. It participates in over 600 different biochemical reactions in the body, yet over 80% of the population is deficient. Magnesium deficiency can increase risk for all disease and greatly decrease optimal performance. That's why I like Bioptimizers. They use all seven forms of magnesium in a highly bioavailable form in their product Magnesium Breakthrough. Magnesium helps with stress, anxiety, sleep, immune function, detoxification, and so much more. If you want to try out this product, head over to Buy Optimizers and use code IntegrativeThoughts10 to receive a 10% discount on their amazing product, Mag Breakthrough. Today's guest is Aaron Hyatt, also known as Redox Stasis on Instagram. He puts out some amazing information regarding minerals and mineral interactions. If you've been following me for a while, you know I've been diving a lot into all the different information revolving around minerals in the past year, year and a half. And I think that using a HTMA is probably one of the most powerful tools to regain back your health. The problem is most people don't read it correctly. So Redox Stasis and some of these other people who follow the work of Dr. Paul Eck really, really have a specific way of reading an HTMA and balancing all the minerals at once that's really, really critical and different from a lot of the work in the field. So if this intrigues you and you want to get an HTMA and get some of your mineral levels read and figure out how to get on a protocol, my wife loves this protocol. I've been having great results with this protocol. You can click the link in the show notes for uh, Aaron's website and you can use the code integrativethoughts10 and get 10% off your hair tissue mineral analysis reading. Enjoy. 
Aaron, welcome to the show, brother. How's it going? Good. Good. How about you? Yeah, doing great, man. I've uh, uh, been digging your your uh, Instagram page for a minute. My buddy uh, Biohack Zach put me up on it, actually. And uh, I'd been wanting to do an HTMA for a while anyways, because I was kind of like blindly taking minerals. And I actually got a lot of benefits out of just blindly kind of just taking selenium and taking iodine and just taking everything random and taking borax powder. And, you know, I, I relieved a lot of joint pain and different things, yeah. but I felt like I needed to kind of like, uh, kind of more tailor it to myself and see what was going on. So I, uh, hit you up, but I do want to know like kind of your background before we jump into my results and how you got interested in like HDMAs and minerals anyways. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so I guess the beginning would be, um, I got sick in college. Um, and, you know, I went through your typical um, health screening, you know, blood work and et cetera. Um, and, you know, generally when you go to certain doctors, they'll just do uh, gen general generic blood testing that really doesn't um, show much problem usually because there's there's certain homeostatic static mechanism, mechanisms in the body that kind right. of keep, you know, things balanced. Um, so you can't always tell. And so like whatever problem you're having, they'll have, you know, they'll say, well, we didn't find anything on, on blood. And so, you know, you need to go see a psychiatrist or something because it's all in the head. So, you know, people have these mysterious illnesses that, you know, oftentimes is usually not caught on conventional blood work. And so, you know, they, you know, but but to start in college, I got sick um, and I'm pretty sure it came from uh, my braces that I had um, previously, because, uh, you know, when I have braces, it'll it'll expose you to a lot of nickel and et cetera. Um, and later on on the program, I actually detox a lot of nickel, um, nickel and chromium. So braces do expose you to chromium and nickel. Um, and there's different periods as to like, you know, the first couple of months, you might be exposed more to a certain metal and then it'll tamper off the following months. But nickel tends to be one of those that is just the longer you have your braces, the more exposed you are to that nickel. Um, so there's certain metals that you're just exposed to at a, at a higher dose, you know, the longer you have it. So that's I think that's what was, you know, uh, kind of. Uh, kind of made my health a lot worse. Um, and, you know, I, I, I get feedback uh, that's similar to this from other people that, that had braces. All of a sudden they have braces and their health just goes, goes downhill in some way. Um, and, but I had appendicitis too in college um, that ruptured. So some of that bacteria could have spread. Uh, so I just had these health issues that kind of started near the end of my uh, college days. and blood work didn't show anything. So, you know, I was, I was desperate. I was kind of just like searching online and I came across a CMA. Um, and thankfully, you know, I came across HTMA that was done through, uh, Dr. Wilson, which Dr. Wilson was trained under Dr. Paul Eck. So there are different factions here that we have to bring up because um, one one kind of uh, uses a replacement theory 
uh, more so than Dr. Paulette. Like we can both say that the the two approaches do follow replacement theory in some way, obviously. But it's about the uh, the combination of certain minerals that enhances the effect of uh, what we're trying to do on a hair test. So even though you were even though you have a low mineral on a hair test and you're replacing it with a certain formula, it's different than just doing it individually with that mineral. So there's different to me. In all respect, there's different levels of replacement theory because um, you're still replacing something, even though you're low in you know, when you're low in that mineral. Um, but thankfully, I, I came across. Dr. Paul X approach first, so I didn't have to really go through replacement theory um, or, or the. Um, more crude, more crude uh, approach, in my opinion, uh, in regards to replacement theory. Uh, so I didn't have to experience that. So, um, but immediately I noticed uh, an improvement in my health, like brain function. Like you know, I was I was just thinking, it's like I wish I went on this program before I went into college, or or even sooner, like you know, high school. It's like my life will probably be a lot different simply because when your brain starts working differently or better, um, your whole life can kind of just like go a different course. Um, so, so, you know, because, uh, for example, I went to college, uh, you know, I got a degree in college, uh, accounting and criminal justice. So, um, later on, I had to get my, uh, you know, certain certifications in, um, hair analysis. But, um, but yeah, so, you know, I, uh, I become, I, I became a certified practitioner, uh, through analytical research labs. You know, maybe a few years after I was on the program, I was like, man, this, this works. I get it. You know, I can comprehend it really well. Um, and so I just wanted to offer that service to other people that I knew. Um, and so so it just kind of evolved from there. Um, uh, let's see. Um, but, yeah, so. And there's there's other aspects to my health that kind of went downhill, too. Um, I mean, I used to be a long distance runner. Um, like I would run quite a bit. Like it was just my my way of escaping. Like, you know, it was just my way of getting away from like whatever was bothering me. You know, just, you know, it was just like that type of, uh, <laughs> you know, getting away from, you know, trying to resolve your stress by by uh, by running. And so that's why I, I, I lived in that uh, cycle a um, lot when I was younger. And uh, so, you know, but. One of the one of the things that I came that I came to understand later on is that because I used to run right next to a major road. So I was exposed to a lot of car exhaust. And so you and especially with the the road dust. Um, uh, the the particle dust that's just on the road that just kind of you know is in the air, slowing in the air whenever just you know cars are going by, um, and and from the exhaust too. So uh, I'm pretty sure I was exposed to a lot of pollution there, and I came to find out that they well they used to have lead in in gasoline, um, and but they had to take the lead out because they're like. Well, this this is too toxic. This is this this is polluting the environment too much. So they had to take the lead out. Um, 
but they replaced it with manganese. And, you know, would I, would I take uh, manganese over lead? Yeah. I mean, but, you know, manganese is still toxic. Um, and so this, this, so you absorb some of it through, uh, through the lungs. Um, and some of it can go straight to the brain, depending on just how, you know, your blood brain barrier function is. So some of it can go into the brain, uh, through the nostrils, but, um, but yeah, cause there are, there are cases to where, uh, manganese from, from pollution, car exhaust, road dust, et cetera, it can actually, uh, cause liver disease in, in, in some people, like it just accumulates in the liver. Um, and, you know, I live in North Carolina and North Carolina is apparently one of the highest states with liver disease that is being linked to air pollution. Um, and, and, you know, that's namely one study was naming manganese as the main culprit of, you know, that, uh, that association. Um, so yeah, there's, there's, I think there's just different, uh, you know, uh, com, uh, combinations that kind of led to my reduced health. Um, and so it just kind of evolved from there. You know, I just, uh, for the past decade, I've just been learning more and more uh, on, you know, the science of hair analysis and how to use it properly. Yeah, that's amazing. And I think everyone kind of, you know, you say you wish you would have done the HTMA when you were younger, but it, it takes a lot of us to get kind of ill to even try to start figuring things out. And I love that you said that about the blood work, because when I was so sick and felt like I was dying with Lyme disease, I would go to these doctors, even these functional health practitioners, and the blood work would be fine because I was eating paleo, sometimes doing keto, grass fed meat, organ meats, doing all the things that, you know, what a quote unquote you're supposed to do and still felt awful. And they would say the blood work looked fine. And it wasn't until I went to a really advanced Lyme doctor where he did like thousands of dollars in tests and he figured out like, no, he's like, you're, you're, you're fucked up. But then, um, I got a lot better through that and I still had some brain fog. And then I got a lot better with the, the copper protocol, which you're somewhat familiar with with Jason Hommel. Yeah. I had him on the show and now I'm kind of jumping off that to do the HTMA and it's only been a week. So we'll have to have you back on as I keep progressing, but I do agree with you on the blood work and I think it's a little snapshot and maybe could be a little bit beneficial, but overall really doesn't show you, you know, too, too much. And a lot of it can be inaccurate. It's kind of just a snapshot in time. So it's, you know, if you had poor sleep or you ate shitty or you drank the night before, a lot of things can affect that little snapshot from that blood work. So um, I guess we're just kind of like yeah. rattling off HTMA. Why don't you tell people exactly what uh, HTMA is? Yeah, so it's a uh, hair tissue mineral, uh, you know, analysis assessment. Um, it's a soft tissue biopsy. Um, so it, it it does very good at measuring intracellular activity versus versus blood. Um, th there's different uh, there's obvious differences between HTMA and blood. Um, even RBC, you know, red blood cell mineral uh, testing. Um, it's in some ways it can be accurate in other ways. It's, um, a little misleading. I think, uh, I, I think it's beneficial to do both if you're trying to do one. I mean, I don't think that doing, you know, just depending on RBC, 
levels is is enough for a lot of people. I think you have to you have to eventually you eventually go into HTMA uh, simply because it's just a better measurement of intercellular activity. Um, but it's also it also shows kind of you know your oxidation rate, um, how well you uh, utilize uh, let's say food for energy, like how well you break down food for energy, um, how well you're creating energy. Um, and, and so that's pretty, that's like the biggest difference between blood work and HTMA is the oxidation rate and the NAK ratio. Um, there are ways to where in blood, you can maybe look at the CO2, but I don't know how accurate that is every time. Uh, so, uh, you know, the higher the cellular respiration is, you know, the more CO2 you might have in the, in the blood, um, the higher the CO2. Uh, but to me, you know, it's foolproof when you look at HTMA for determining the oxidation rate. Um, and there may be other methods such as for the NAK ratio with urine. Um, urine is, but it's not exact, it's not the same type of accuracy as, or the, the, the scale of how, you know, of HTMA. Um, but this is that those are the things that you know doctors you know they they don't do. It's like, can you measure my NAK ratio in urine? It's like they're gonna look at you like you're crazy. Um, and so, but the NAK ratio and oxidation rate is 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 and the uh, calcium magnesium ratio. They're they're those three are their major those three are their major are the major uh, components of what makes HTMA so effective um, and accurate. Um, because I know with uh, my mineral patterns, I, I know when I go from fast to a four lows, and you'll know when you go from four lows to a, to a slow, or when you go too fast to a, to to a slow. It's 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 a different it's a different metabolic uh, rate. Um, it's uh, it changes so many things, especially with uh, energy levels, emotional awareness, and et cetera. You know, so many things change. So to me. You know, that is the accuracy behind the validity behind here. HTMA are these different mineral patterns uh, and the, the ratios. It's like we, you know, that's why we just don't look at individual levels. Uh, it's, uh, it's we use more Dr. Paul Eck using more of a whole systems approach using the ratios. Um, but yeah, yes. that's uh, HTMA. Yeah, it's just a. Uh, and from my understanding, which is kind of pretty novice, but I mean, maybe more advanced than some listeners, it's kind of gives you like a three month kind of data, you know, that's not just like a snapshot, like blood, like your hair is growing out. So then if you cut it real close to the scalp, then you're going to kind of get like a three month pattern of what's going on. And then you do another one in three months and then you're going to adjust the protocol. Correct. Yeah. So uh, for different oxidation types, like. Most uh, this one's more uh, it's, it's fast oxidation. So whenever someone's in fast oxidation, you can actually many times you can slow down a fast oxidizer quicker than you can speed up a slow oxidizer. Um, and so with people in fast oxidation, they can actually go one month and see changes on their hair test on our programs because. You know, it's all about how how quickly you can take someone out of the fight or flight response. Um, 
So many of these people use their sympathetic nervous system way too much. Like it's chronically activated. Um, and so the moment you start, you know, slowing down that, you know, blunting that fight or flight response, they start like, I'm, I'm feeling tired. I'm feeling fatigued. It's like, cause I'm pulling, I'm pulling out, pulling you out of that chronic fight or flight that, you know, eventually, eventually leads, eventually can lead to uh, disease, uh, all sorts of symptoms later on. So, you know, a fire fire response can be beneficial in, in some ways, but, you know, if it's chronically happening, then we can, we, we can, we can see some serious problems later down the road. Um, and, and so, you know, a person can start feeling more fatigue and it's like, well, isn't is the program working? It's like, well, it's working in the way that we want it to. Um, but, but, you know, the person may not enjoy that initially just because we're trying to prevent problems from occurring later down the road that, you know, that is due to a chronic fight or flight. Um, so these, these individuals can actually see results within a month. They can, because you know, many times they'll fall into four lows. They're 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 they. I I could argue that they start out maybe in the four lows, um, and certain you know certain experiences in life, stress, anything can kind of cause them to go into a fight or flight response, like a, like you know a strong one that that leads to fast oxidation. Um, in other cases, they're born a lot a lot of uh, a lot of babies are born into fast oxidation. Um, and and you know pulling pulling a person out of fast oxidation and they can go into a to a four lows whenever their calcium magnesium levels are actually below the ideal those are those tend to be toxic fast oxidizers they're not true fast oxidizers um and so you know we can actually slow slow them down pretty quickly uh just because they they're not they're not healthy fast so, you know, if they're not healthy fast and we can, you know, you start to you come out of that fire or flight really quick because um, it's just a toxic, stressful reaction from the body. And so they fall into a four lows, uh, you know, and for the listeners, four lows is whenever your calcium, magnesium, sodium, potassium levels drop below ideal. Um, so, you know, yes, like I said, previous these individuals, I mean, they can. They can see results, you know, sooner than three months. Um, usually when I tell people three to six months, they tend to be uh, soil oxidizers or or people in the four lows. Um, and soil oxidizers are individuals that have elevated calcium magnesium levels um, and their sodium potassium is is low or low. You know, it's it's um, they don't have much um, uh, sympathetic activity. Um, uh, they don't have much of a fight or flight response. Um, but yeah, so these individuals, you know, they, they usually only see difference, you know, three months to six, six months. And sometimes it's not a big difference. Sometimes, you know, just the smallest change in a ratio or, or even a heavy metal uh, uh, means, you know, it's quite significant in these individuals. You know, some people don't heal as fast as others. So we, we can't like, you know, I can't compare you know, one to another in terms of, you know, whether, you know, it's just, it's just hard to compare one person to the next when, you know, people just heal, heal at different, you know, uh, rates. Um, but yeah, like, yeah, generally like it's more, here's more of a, 
uh, long-term assessment versus blood. Um, and like you said, like if you actually like a female, um, depending on how long it takes for, for, you know, so they can actually cut the, uh, a hair close to the scalp or, or, you know, and a hair from the end of the strand and it can show different, it'll show different results. Uh, just because, you know, it could have been several, several months to a year that, you know, that it took to grow out the hair. So you're taking a, a, a sample from the tip and from the root, you're going to show different results. Um, and, you know, it may be significant, it may not be, depending on, you know, uh, what they're doing, you know, in terms of diet, you know, uh, supplements. Um, but, yeah, there there is that uh, that difference there. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And why do you think that the minerals kind of are the most important components of the body? It seems like they're kind of running like all the enzymatic functions within the body. And it, it seems to be a way overlooked. But, you know, I got into this because I started like listening to Morley Robbins and learning about copper. And then I was like, oh, copper's the the gateway drug to all healing. And then you start to really actually read into other minerals like selenium and iodine. And then you realize actually not just copper, every single mineral in the body like runs so many functions that it's insane. And it's crazy. Like, do you believe that if once we get the minerals in balance, most other things will sort itself out? Yeah. So, um, I, you know, I, I just, I, I kind of, my way of looking at it is like, well, let's say you took, I mean, you couldn't survive very long, I would say, uh, if you took, I mean, you wouldn't survive if you took all the magnesium out of your body. You, you, wouldn't, uh, you wouldn't be able to function. And so, you know, that, I think that's like more of a, a simplified way of looking at it. It's like the, the more deficient you become in the mineral, uh, the less optimal your body is going to function. Like the, the, most, the less you're going to be able to, uh, you know, enjoy life. Um, you won't have much, you know, people won't have much energy or they won't be able, be able to express themselves in the way that they could if they had ideal mineral levels. Um, like your brain won't function as well, um, you know, versus like, you know, if I were to get someone that had completely balanced mineral levels. Um, and I'm not saying that they have to be right at ideal, but they have to be fluctuating. They have to be around the ideal level. Um, these individuals, they tend to be, I would say, very successful for, uh, you know, they're just very successful. You know, they're, they, they, you know, they can be entrepreneurs or what, what have you, you know, it doesn't matter. But, you know, whatever they're, they go after what they enjoy most in life and they become very successful doing it. Um, so, you know, you can, a person can be really good at something, but they don't know how to make a career out of it. and so. That, that's one of the, that's the balancing effect of, of minerals. It's like you can be great at something, but you may not be able to express it very well. You might not be able to make a living doing it. So, you know, when you start balancing other minerals, you actually find a way to be successful at what you're good at, what you love to do. Because um, it's all about kind of, you know, increasing energy levels, balancing out energy levels. But, you know, it has a lot to do with minerals. Minerals play uh, a role in personality and how we express that personality um but yeah minerals you know they you know 
the fire just requires mineral just to do everything, in my opinion. Um, um, so, I mean, so for example, like if you're, if you're low in like magnesium or zinc, you know, a lot of those enzymaticites will function, you know, at a suboptimal level, uh, you know, as low as 50%. And the body has to find a way to adapt to that, try to survive when you don't have enough essential minerals. And so it starts to take up heavy metals. It takes up anything that can actually uh, keep the body running, even if it's at 50% or lower. Um, and so, you know, you can, we can have, there can be a lot of people there just walking around at 50% of their optimal health or, or, or less, um, to just due to these mineral deficiencies. And so, but this is where people start to, uh, accumulate more heavy metals in order to keep the body, uh, going. Um, and, you know, this can actually be seen on a hair test. What we see on a hair test is that the lower the metal, the lower the metal is, the more the body is just hanging on to it. It's just armoring it. It's just, um, it needs it. It needs it to uh, function because uh, the person is deficient in a certain mineral or they can't use a certain mineral like, uh, like you know, like they need to. Um, so, yeah, there, there's definitely there's definitely that cross link between mineral deficiency and the body just taking up more heavy metals to function. Yeah, and I actually found it interesting because how you're kind of talking about this replacement theory of where like I've been like mega dosing magnesium for years because you hear like it helps combat EMFs and magnesium runs the body and stress can deplete it and you know if you're feeling stressed out or fight or flight take more magnesium. But you actually have me taking less yeah. magnesium than I currently was taking, even though I had a high calcium magnesium ratio, because basically the other minerals are going to affect that ratio, not just taking more magnesium. That's what I found pretty interesting. Yeah, so it's, um, you know, you don't necessarily have to take a high dose in order to uh, benefit from it or feel the highest or to actually achieve the high potential from that mineral because there's other um because the body can have certain mechanisms to where it will only absorb a certain amount of a, of a mineral um because well it, it, there's this there there's this balance between minerals that the body is trying to achieve so you can you can just overload you know you can give your body a lot of magnesium but if it has a negative zinc balance, then if, if the body already has a zinc a deficiency, then that extra magnesium can, you know, basically worsen that that uh, negative zinc balance. So um, there there is this seesaw effect of like these minerals to where you don't want to overdose on one thing because it can uh, affect the the levels of another mineral. You know, so high dose magnesium can also impact manganese. It can lower the absorption of manganese in some cases. Um, and manganese is critical for uh, energy production. You know, it's, you know, it's what Dr. Paul Egg considered the power, the power mineral. Um, it gives, it gives, definitely gives females their power uh, in the world. Um, and, uh, but, you know, manganese is involved in the um, breakdown of carbohydrates, glu uh, glucose utilization. Uh, you know, so anytime you're you're low in manganese, 
you will most likely have less glucose receptors. Um, and, you know, magnesium gets this hype to where, you know, it's beneficial for all these different things. And it is, don't get me wrong. Um, and it's, and, and it is important for insulin, but that magnesium and manganese balance needs to be there too. Um, so taking a bunch of manganese won't correct all your problems when you have uh, a manganese deficiency. Um, and, and this can be seen whenever the body is just, is low, uh, the, the hair manganese level is low. Um, and so anytime like a mineral is too low or too high, there's a problem that's going on there with the body using that mineral. Um, uh, so yeah, um, and plus uh, active B6, vitamin B6, um, that's important for uh, magnesium utilization. So you know, I can I can give someone you know a low dose of magnesium with IB6, or you know with with the active B6, and then they use their magnesium a lot better than just giving them magnesium alone. Um, I think it's the I think science uh, research papers kind of reference it at a 10 to 1 ratio um uh so but yeah if you're if you're taking you know like you know over 100 to 400 milligrams i mean you need about probably between maybe 30 to 40 milligrams of vitamin active b6 to you know kind of use that magnesium in a, in a better way uh but at the same time, if you take too much B6, then you might interfere with copper metabolism absorption. So there, there's this there's this large interplay between vitamins and minerals that, you know, one has to take in consideration when treating someone. Um, and I, I think that Dr. Paul Eck, you know, in my opinion, he was a genius. He was a genius. I, I'm still just kind of in awe about how he understood uh, biochemistry and, and how to use a hair test to to balance um to balance it out and you know whenever the nak ratio is low you know uh he created lemkamin that has you know b6 in it b6 zinc you know copper uh manganese magnesium and so this all these minerals and vitamin a all these minerals and you know the vitamin actually help with um vitamins help with you know energy production from food like you know uh producing energy from food um and so you know, it's uh, it gets a little complex whenever you're trying to uh, understand the entire relationship of the body, you know, in a whole systems approach, in a whole systems uh, analogy or approach. Yeah. And um, when working with these, I know you kind of have they have like some of these like synthetic vitamins, kind of vitamin A, all the different B vitamins. You've seen yeah. good results because there's such a like back and forth with uh, like you should just be taking like organ supplements for your B vitamins or, you know, some other people say synthetic B vitamins work mm -hmm. just fine. Have you seen good results with the synthetics? Yeah, I mean, I see uh, I see great results. Now, the only time that I see, uh, I guess, maybe. I wouldn't say poor results, um, but not as good results because certain people have a hard time handling uh, extra methyl groups um, or they have a hard time uh, turning, let's say, 
the active inactive B6 into the active form. So there's there's different there's different nuances that you know a person may have trouble uh, doing, and, and that's why I'm coming out with, um, and, and that's why I give people active B6 uh, on on a program, even though I give them the inactive form uh, through the multivitamin um, that we use. Um, so I, I do that, um, and, and that's I think that's really the the biggest difference. Um, now, methylcobalamin, someone may have issues with that, but there's there's more to the problem than just the, the synthetic uh, B vitamins. You know, there's a heavy metal toxicity component that that is uh, linked, you know, cross-linked there. Uh, um, or they have a uh, severe mineral deficiency that we kind of have to work at correcting before they can use B, B vitamins in, in, the, in the best way possible. Uh, zinc, zinc comes to mind. A lot of people, I'm, I'm quite surprised at how, well, I wouldn't say surprised, but when you go based upon what your conventional statistics say in terms of zinc deficiency, it's like it can be such a low ball uh, estimation of 20%. And, and that's laughable to me. Um, it's like, especially when most, a lot of Americans or a lot of people in the world, whenever they eat meat, they eat it with some sort of grain. Um, they typically eat it with some sort of grain unless they're following a strict carnivore diet or they're just having steak, you know, um, without any grain. But, you know, it, it's hard to find someone eating red meat or some sort of meat without grain. And, you know, the anti-nutrients in that bread will inhibit some of the absorption of that zinc in the meat uh, and other minerals. So, you know, it's it's about food combinations that really uh, determine, you know, what a person is taking away from that meal. Um, and so, you know, the, the zinc deficiency based upon my uh, all the all the hair testing I've done, it, it's quite uh, it's quite significant. Most, most, I mean, but at the same time, anytime that someone has poor health to the point that they want to seek my services or even just go to the doctor in general, they, they're going to have some sort of mineral deficiency because how many people that do you know that are extremely healthy find the time or find the need to go to, to the doctor or to do other, you know, services like me? You know, some people, some people will just out of curiosity, but very few people do that. Um, so generally someone has some sort of health issue for them to go seek medical or, you know, health advice. And, um, but, you know, pretty much all the people that come to me, they have some sort of zinc imbalance, some sort of negative zinc balance. Um, but I generally, I think, uh, in the general population, zinc is, zinc deficiency is quite, quite significant. Um, it's just that some people just don't, they don't seek medical or they don't seek health advice at all. Like they they rather they rather live with whatever problems they have instead of uh, seeking help. And this is kind of what I find in burnout. Individuals in in burnout they don't really want other people's help unless it's so bad they hit rock bottom. They have they have nothing else to you know nothing you know they find some sort of uh, desire to seek help outside of themselves. Um, and so. But yeah, and so burnout kind of, you know, kind of prevents you from wanting to, 
for people to, to help you. Um, but yeah, so, um, but yeah. What else? Yeah, so um, I know we kind of touched on like fast oxidizer, slow oxidizer. Can you kind of like break down what it means to be in in them oxidation states? And are, are we looking for a more balanced oxidation rate or what, what's the goal? Yeah, so, uh, you know, I, I could say that based upon, probably based upon the general population, uh, most people are in slow oxidation. Uh, but that is that is changing. Um, a lot of people are now going into a four lows, uh, just because, uh, you know, depending on where you live, America, America, Americans are highly stressed individuals. Um, you know, we have a very stressful society, you know, just the way that it's oriented. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of, you know, we value, you know, our, our customs and value is kind of based upon like high stress, uh, you know, activity, workaholics, et cetera. So, um, but it, it's, it's changing. So a lot of people are falling to a four lows just because they're in extreme burnout. Um, like if, you know, if you're, if you're workaholic or, or, you know, you're constantly stressed, I mean, you're using up minerals, you're using up energy. Uh, and if you're not taking the time to eat correctly, take the right supplements or, or something, then you're, you're going to eventually, in my opinion, hit a um, ener- energy deficit or, or some sort of severe mineral uh, imbalance. And so that's what we're seeing. More and more people are going to four lows, you know, uh, which is like calcium, magnesium, sodium, potassium, you know, dropping really low. That was un- that was almost unheard of, you know, 100 years ago. Uh, uh, but, you know. Society is becoming way more stressful in, in, in certain ways. Um, just, you know, just the things we value, et cetera. Um, use our time doing. Um, but so oxidation is whenever uh, uh, calcium magnesium levels go, you know, really high and so potassium go in the opposite direction. Um, and this is just, uh, you know, this is correlated to adrenal insufficiency, adrenal fatigue. Um, or uh, hypothyroidism. Um, so the adrenals provide. So in Dr. Paul, Dr. Paul X uh, understanding is that do, uh, the adrenals provide the energy and the thyroid sparks that that fuel. Uh, so the adrenals and thyroid have to be working together at you know you know optimally in order to generate the highest uh, level of energy, potential of energy, um, potential energy. So, you know, this is, uh, this tends to be one of the things with oxidation is that someone experiences fatigue, um, or, you know, other, other symptoms that pretty much arise from low energy. Um, and, you know, low energy can be more significant whenever, uh, someone has, let's say a high calcium magnesium ratio. Like if it gets, if it gets, uh, above, I would say either ten, you know, around ten, the worst, the worst the energy can, uh, the worst the energy deficit can be. Um, so you know, the calcium, calcium magnesium ratio should be around, uh, probably around, in my opinion, five and eight. Um, 
it can't be too low or too high. And this signifies uh, uh, energy imbalance uh, and some sort of poor health. Uh, so, so whenever you have severe mineral imbalances, you know, ratio imbalances, you know, something, a symptom is going to eventually surface from that uh, uh, ratio imbalance, you know, ra low ratio or very high ratio. Um, and so that, that can be, you know, that, that stems to the calcium magnesium ratio, sodium potassium ratio, um, and et cetera. So, but yeah, and so fast oxidation is the opposite of of uh, slow. Uh, fast oxidizers, they're, they, they have high sodium potassium and low calcium magnesium. Um, they, yeah, they're, they're in a fight or fly response. Um, usually, rarely do I find someone that's in a healthy fast. A healthy fast would be something like maybe uh, a child or adult that has uh, ideal levels of calcium magnesium and their sodium potassium is slightly elevated. You know, it's slightly above the calcium magnesium levels, um, but they also have a very good NIK ratio. Um, usually it's above 2.5 for them to be a healthy fast. Those individuals feel really good. I'm not going to lie. Um, I personally like fast oxidation simply because, um, you know, you, you they tend to be, uh, you, you tend to have better mental functioning. Like your brain works a lot faster. Um, uh, you have more energy usually. Um, now, if, if the oxidation rate gets too fast, then you get tired more quickly. You don't have that uh, uh, long-standing energy. You don't have that, you know, slow oxidizers, they tend to have, they can, if they're, if they're in a healthy slow, then they can have very good energy levels the entire day. When a fast oxidizer that is too quick, they'll have very good energy levels for the first four to five hours, and then the rest of the day, they're done. They, they you know, they, you know, um, call quits. Um, they may, they meet, or they may need like a few hours of rest and et cetera. So it, it kind of depends on, uh, how well your, how fast your body is using its, its energy. And so that's why in order to make a fast oxidizer healthier in terms of, uh, better energy levels throughout the entire day, we slow them down a little bit in order to kind of just increase their, just balance out their, their overall energy levels throughout the entire day instead of just being, you know, quick burst of energy for four or five hours. Um, and so that's the difference, difference between, you know, those three. Uh, but then you have the mixed oxidizer. Uh, the mixed oxidizer, it can be, um, they can have, so one gland can be stronger than the other. So their their adrenal activity can be stronger than their thyroid activity. Um, and generally, this is seen whenever the NK ratio is above two point five. Um, and uh, let's say the um, and it corresponds to the calcium magnesium level. So the the sodium level will be higher than magnesium. Um, or, you know, the potassium can be higher than the calcium or vice versa. So there's these differences in uh, 
these mineral levels that create what type of mixed oxidation rate you're in. Um, you know, I believe it was um, a doctor, you know, Dr. Balak was like, well, mixed oxidizers tend to be very good entrepreneurs or, you know, very good uh, CEOs or something uh, simply because um they they're able to they have they kind of have highs and i wouldn't they have good highs but at the same time i wouldn't say that they have low you know low low lows i mean it just depends on how severe their um mixed oxidation rate is but they tend to have times to where they're very very productive and other times they have the ability just to relax and kind of you know take it easy um, and, and so that, that's important too, because I mean, you don't want, you don't necessarily want to be, I would say, go, go all the time. Um, you, you need periods to where you're just, you're kind of in a relaxed state and this, this allows you to recharge more effectively than being go, go all the time, like hyperactive all the time, because you're using up energy. Like eventually your body has to slow down in order to, uh, rebalance itself in terms of energy production um, and, and, you know, et cetera. So there are perks to a mixed oxidizer that is different from a slow or fast. Um, but fast oxidizers, you know, they, they tend to burn, they tend to burn through their minerals way too quickly, way too quickly. They burn through their energy way too quickly. Um, and so like, you know, they can have uh, the faster your oxidation rate is, you know, the more, uh, exercise intolerance you can have. You can't stay in the gym very long. I mean, you're, you know, these individuals, they tend to need uh, creatine before and after. Um, you know, because, you know, I was just, this kind of goes off a different topic, but um, there's there's many in the athletic performance field that say that, that think that creatine is best taken after a workout. And, but for a fast oxidizer, you know, they they rely on, you know, they use up a lot of their quick energy, like their, um, you know, I would say fast twist muscle muscles. So they, they benefit from creatine before before workout very well, simply because it gives them that that quick burst of energy that that they need for a longer workout, for a more effective workout versus a slow. Um, but. But, yeah, so, you know. Um, but, yeah, so, you know. You definitely a person definitely feels different whenever they go from one oxygen rate to another. Um, it's just ha it has different qualities. It has different. Uh, it's a different injury level, um, and, and et cetera. Yeah, that makes total sense. And I know you also give um, kind of like macro breakdowns depending on oxidation rates as well. So how do you uh, know how to adjust what dietary needs someone needs depending on their oxidation rate? Yeah, so um, fast oxidizers, they tend to suffer more from um, hyperglycemia, especially if the NAK ratio is off. Like the more toxic, like a fast oxidizer that has a low NAK ratio is going to be more more toxic fast oxidizer. They're, they're going to be in worse health than a fast oxidizer with a higher NAK ratio. Um, but they tend to have hyperglycemia. Um and this causes all sorts of problems. I mean, uh, you know, balancing your um, glucose levels is is critical for improving a lot of aspects of your health. Um, 
and copper can copper can actually do this for fast oxidizers. Um, it can it can normalize their um, uh, their glucose levels there. You know, it can bring it can resolve it helps resolve their hyperglycemia. Um, and but the opposite effect can occur with a slow. Uh, slow oxidizers can suffer from hypoglycemia. Um, and so that, that's one of the kind of the the effects of copper when you give copper to a slow oxidizer. Um, if a slow oxidizer has a low NK ratio, uh, they'll see benefits. They normally see benefits from taking copper. Um, but they have that they have that beneficial effect of raising the NK ratio with the copper supplement. But on the other end, they can worsen their hypoglycemia or uh, uh, blood sugar reg regulating um, aspects of, of energy metabolism. So th there's there's that uh, give and take uh, when it comes to supplementing just certain one mineral, um, because you know it's just it just it depends on your ratios too. Uh, but yeah, so. Fast oxidizers, they, you know, hyper hyperglycemia. Um, and so, but yeah, and so oxidizers, they, they, uh, they, they can suffer from hypoglycemia, but they, they tend to, you kind of have to improve, uh, the, uh, their inter energy production. So these individuals, they, they benefit from, I would say, maybe, um, uh, NAD and stuff like that. Um, for for a fast oxidizer, yes and no. It just depends. Uh, you know, if they have a low NAK ratio, then they may see benefit from NAD or something like that. Um, but if they have a high NAK ratio and they're a fast oxidation, um, not so much in my opinion. They um, because there's a balance between NAD and zinc, um, and uh, because you know. We kind of will have this goes into another topic, but you ATP production, you can actually have too much ATP production, ATP production. So, for example, you know, the more ATP production you have, uh, you can actually have more, you can have a reduced protein synthesis because of that increased ATP production and the magnesium. Uh, effect so you know the more atp the more magnesium you know is attracted to or you know combined to the higher atp production so there's less magnesium to, to go to other aspects of your of your health such as protein synthesis so they've seen that um if you have lower you know a negative magnesium balance with high high atp production it it takes a lot it takes away a lot from your protein synthesis so i mean i recently had a client where you know, but but the general idea is like the more ATP production you have, the better you are. Um, but this is not necessarily the case when you have certain mineral deficiencies. Um, and and so the two that come to mind is magnesium and zinc. Um, so whenever you have a zinc deficiency um, and you have high ATP production, there's less uh, clearance of ATP and ADP from the cells. And so your uh, ectoenzymes are downregulated when there's a zinc deficiency. So, uh, so yeah, you know, you kind of have to have that balance between ATP production and sufficient minerals. 
in order to create the optimal effect or the optim optimal utilization of energy. Um, so there's there's definitely that aspect too that we can see in a hair analysis HTMA test that you probably you probably couldn't see any other any other test. Um, and this happens whenever the sodium level goes up and the magnesium is very low and you know the zinc can be, the zinc level can be low or very high. Um, and so you generally don't want to you know give someone you don't want to increase their ATP production when when they have a very high NAK ratio because um, whenever extracellular ATP increases, it can actually increase more inflammation. So you're pretty much just adding, uh, you're making, you know, you're, you're just adding fuel to the fire. So, you know, it's just, um, you're increasing your inflammation sometimes um, just because of that increase of extracellular ATP. Um, and so this, this is where we give people zinc in order to lower that NAK ratio. So zinc lowers sodium. But it also uh, increases the uh, reduction of extracellular ATP uh, through the through the ectoenzymes. So there there's a uh, there's a lot of kind of biochemical uh, reactions or effects that occur whenever you uh, supplement someone based upon their hair, their hair test. And you know how you how to do it, um, and I said that zinc levels can be very high, and this this is a case whenever. Um, so, for example, I would have to go into uh, uh, metal, uh, metallothionine and how it releases zinc. So, whenever there is more oxidized glutathione, the MT will release more uh, zinc, uh, and this actually helps with combating inflammation. So, what we see is is that well, they'll start to accumulate more zinc in the tissues on a hair test. Their zinc would be very high because um, they can have a lot of inflammation. They can have a very poor GSH to GSSG ratio. And so whenever that oxidized glutathione or oxidized GSH uh, increases, um, they release more free zinc, free zinc into the tissues um, because the body uses zinc as, a, as an antioxidant, as a very effective antioxidant. Now, can it become toxic in certain cases? Yeah, As, you know, if, if the, if, but the body has to do, it only does what it, it can do at the time, giving, you know, just depending on what, you know, it has, has access to or is capable of doing. So it will keep going down that road of adaptation, even though it may not be beneficial long-term, it's what it has to do in order to keep you alive at that moment or something, or keep you functioning, you know, at, at some, you know, good level at that at that time. So it's just um, so that's why, like, we can actually give people more zinc, um, and it'll lower the NAK ratio, um, or and, and the zinc level will come down. Um, and, and that's uh, I think that's kind of that might be paradoxical to some people because it's like, it's like, how does that make sense? It's like you're getting more zinc, and the zinc the zinc level is coming down. Um, uh, and this is the way it works because there's different reasons as to why the body will will increase your tissue zinc. I mean, it's just not black and white sometimes, and so it, it gets it becomes kind of a headache when trying to understand all the different reasons as to what the body would do in terms of adaptation. Um, so hair analysis can be complex depending on 
the defense mechanism, the adaptation that the body's trying to do. Um, but yeah, so, you know, in terms of inflammation, zinc can definitely help with uh, inflammatory conditions, autoimmune conditions, whenever the NAK ratio is high. Uh, just because, you know, through the, through the ectoenzymes, it can increase the uh, uh, adenosine levels, which is a potent anti-inflammatory for the body. Um, so that, that's where we kind of have a strict method at times of how we treat a hair test. And the, the reactions can differ in each person depending on what the body is going to use that zinc for. Um, so you can have you can have just a combination of what's go, of different things that's going on. You can have chronic infections. You can have uh, uh, you know other things that that you know create inflammation. That you know, but so the zinc is used um, by the body and by the body in a way that it's most important usually. But you can still get symptoms, um, certain symptoms, you know, just from uh, like a detox symptom or something. Uh, you know, I had, uh, I talked to a client or to another practitioner once and they're like, I was kind of explaining them, uh, explaining to them how we do, how we treat a hair test. And, you know, they were like, well, it sounds like you have a very strict pattern of how you treat a hair test. And, and we do. And I just don't take someone off zinc just because they're not initially feeling good on zinc. I don't think that is a good enough reason to take someone off a certain mineral because there's many different reasons as to why someone can have uh, certain symptoms when taking a mineral. They could be deficient. They could be very deficient in zinc. And so they accumulate, they could have been deficient in zinc for a decade. And so they accumulated all these problems in their body. And the moment you give them zinc, their liver starts working better. They start, they start to detoxify in a certain way that gives them this so-called negative reaction. Um, is it negative? And in my opinion, it's like, you know, a detox symptom is not necessarily negative unless it's so bad that it's intolerable or, you know, but in my opinion, it's like you're trying, how, how can you work around a certain, uh, uh, it's like, can you actually heal the body without detox symptoms? It's like, can you work around it so much to where, you you heal the body in incredible in incredible ways, but you have absolutely no detox symptoms. That that would be the hardest feat, I you know that you know that's because like because there's a lot of programs that saying out there that are saying like we you know we can heal you this in this way and you won't feel much detox, you know and et cetera. And you know the moment I get a hair test on them, it's like it's like I'm not I mean I'm not seeing complete balance. Here. I'm not seeing optimal health. So the moment I start treating them in a certain way, it's like, oh, my goodness, I'm getting these detox reactions. And it's like because we, you know, we treat the body in a certain way that you're going to feel something. Um, and uh, there's no there's no doubt about it. Like you're going to feel something just because, you know, when I get someone more zinc, they might start dumping more copper. Um, so they'll have symptoms related to a copper dump or something like that. Just because whenever you start uh, giving extra nutrients that um that the liver may be deficient in or or, or et cetera um and the and afterwards the liver starts working you know very well i mean you're going to be you're going to be dumping things into the blood um and uh and this is where i get i get into you know uh i would have to get into coffee enemas you know uh just because coffee enemas are very 
very effective at reducing copper symptoms just because copper elimination, uh, excess copper elimination occurs mainly through uh, through you know, feces. So um, coffee enemas are very effective at reducing any sort of uh, all sorts of copper detox either symptoms uh, imbalances such as headaches and et cetera. Um, and but sometimes someone has may have to do a coffee enema three or four times a day before their symptom goes away. Um, but hey, it's it, it works. It's effective. So um, even though you have to do it that many times. Um, but yeah. Hello, everyone. First of all, I'd love to thank you for tuning in to the Integrative Thoughts podcast. I am your host, Matt Kaufman. And through this platform, I plan on seeking out guests that interest me, that I am curious about, and overall just living a more meaningful, purposeful life in hopes that you as listeners and I myself can grasp onto a little bit of their knowledge and integrate that into our daily lives. Yeah, that's great. And I, I, I agree. I think that um, you're not really going to undo decades of damage and heavy metal accumulation and not feel any side effects. Like if you're coming in with brain fog and then you start giving minerals that are going to move around shit in the brain or wherever, you don't expect to just yeah. feel great. I mean, we have so many chronic infections. I love that you say like in your little form that you send everybody when you get the hair test, like people have up to like 50 different chronic infections. And, you know, when I had Lyme, I had, yeah. I had Babesia and I had Epstein-Barr and I had Lyme and I had Lord knows what else. Like, you know, that was just what I was muscle tested for. And it's like, you're like, what, how do I have all this shit? And it's like, you know, it's, it's mineral imbalances. It's heavy yeah. metal toxicity. There's a lot going on. And we kind of brushed over the heavy metal portion, but um, do you see good results on dumping like lead, mercury, you know, with, a, with just taking minerals instead of like using chelation therapy? Oh, yeah, most uh, most definitely. It just it just takes. It takes about, you know, generally it takes about a year. It depends. Well, it depends on how how poor of health a person is, because there, there are certain aspects that you have to correct. Uh, in the body before the body will even decide to remove a heavy metal like you know that's why chelation is quite sketchy at times uh, just because it may not be able to penetrate deep within the tissues um, it may just be a superficial type of elimination even though it can work um, in, in, a, in a significant way sometimes but that is relative to the amount of heavy metals that you actually have in your body so someone can go on chelation and then, you know, down the road, they can go on our program and they and they remove a lot more. And it's like, you know, I went on chelation therapy for, you know, a guy, you know, for a year. And uh, and yeah, I mean, you could potentially remove a lot in urine and et cetera. But, you know, it's not your it's not going to remove total uh, metal, you know, accumulation in the body um, due to various reasons. Um, and so our approach is more gentle. Chelation isn't always very safe. Um, you have to, in my opinion, I don't know, it's just not very safe. You have to do it at a certain dose, and then you have to be supervised very well in order to do it in a way that it doesn't create too much damage. Uh, because certain key, uh, chelation uh, drugs can damage the body as it you know, uh, gets eliminated from, from the body. 
So, um, you know, a lot of these chelation drugs don't have a very good uh, track record when it comes to um, uh, long term. It's not it's just not uh, applicable long term. That's all I say. It's just too toxic long term. Um, so if you have like an acute exposure to where, you know, all of a sudden, you know, you just got exposed to a bunch of lead and you have high lead, you know, blood, you know, lead levels. Then, yeah, you know, you can use chelation to kind of get that out of the blood before it gets deposited into the uh, tissues. But after a few months, it gets deposited into the tissues and chelation, chelation therapy won't work as well. Um, and this is where our program is kind of the uh, shining light in that regard. As long as someone is able to stick to the program long enough, because the body will it will heal itself in other ways before it even gets to the uh, that heavy metal burden. Um, certain aspects of your health has to improve. Um, uh, and some of these heavy metals, they, they're in these enzymatic sites. Um, and so it's not too easy to let the God to, to force the body to, to let go, to remove, uh, to free themselves of, of these heavy metals in these, in the enzymatic sites. Um, it's not too easy. Um, chelation therapy can't, can't really do it. Um, so that's where competition of minerals and metals, heavy metals come into play. Um, there's, there's some studies that show that, uh, when you give a high dose of certain mineral, it can, it can push these heavy metals out of the enzymatic sites. It can replace them. Um, and in, in a way, this, this is our approach, you know, but it's not, it's more of a, more of a, uh, I guess scientific approach with uh, 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 one mineral's uh, impact on another. So you know, eventually it does occur over um, maybe months to years. Some some metals are easier to remove than others. Uh, in my opinion, uh, lead, cadmium, um, lead, cadmium, nickel. They tend to be a little harder to remove in some people. Um, and well, especially lead and cadmium. Lead and cadmium is the hardest to remove in most people. Um, and and I, I tell my clients is that you know even even a small increase of a heavy metal is a big deal in my mind. I mean, obviously, if you have a bigger dump, that's even better. But the fact that your your heavy metal, because you know, whenever the the uh, let's say uh, the lead level drops to to a very very low number. Um, the body's hanging on to it. It's not able to actively remove it because we're exposed to heavy metals every day. Um, and someone that is in, I would say, poor health or has has severe mineral imbalances along with very low uh, heavy metal levels in the, in the hair, that's a sign that they're not removing their heavy metals at all. There's, there's no export. Um, and... The smallest increase, just a small increase of that heavy metal, it, it, it's significant. It, it's pretty significant, especially in lead. Um, and you, you'll have small increases, and all of a sudden you can just have a big spike, and then it goes back down. And you can actually have spikes on and off depending on where that heavy metal is being removed from the body. Like the body will not just remove a heavy metal all at one time from every part of your body. You wouldn't survive it. It wouldn't survive it. So um, you, you wouldn't survive the symptoms. <laughs> Um, mm -hmm. uh, and you know, 
so that so the so that's why the body will only release it uh uh you know these heavy metals in in certain um i guess you would say uh dumps like you'll have many dumps uh many stages of of a heavy metal release um but personally uh well chromium chromium can can be hard to remove too and you know people don't look at chromium as as really like a toxic metal i would say but there's so it has to do with the valence the valence electron of the mineral that make that can make it more toxic uh hexavalent chromium is very toxic um and we're exposed to the these higher valence uh minerals such as chromium in the environment air pollution um and 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 et cetera even uh even braces braces can contain a toxic form of chromium that the body doesn't use very well at all uh, or you know doesn't use well and so the chromium level spikes um it, it goes up um and then it'll come back down so you'll have uh this you know going on and 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 many many different way uh, many different with many different minerals and uh also i also have to highlight the amigos what we call the amigos which is aluminum uh iron and manganese um and there's a few others but these three tend to be elevated at the same time or they get dumped at the same time um and you can see this on an initial hair test it's quite fascinating on, on sometimes on an initial hair test i'll see the iron, aluminum, and or the iron, manganese, and aluminum are all all three of them are elevated. All three of them are high, and they tend to. That's why I get. I that's why we call the amigos because they tend to uh, build up in the body at the same time and removed at the same time. Um, and so whenever you, you whenever someone dumps, you know, a bunch of uh, manganese, they might also at the same time dump a bunch of iron and aluminum. Um, not always the case, but, you know, um, it tends to, it tends to happen at the beginning. Um, cause you know, obviously you can have more excess of a certain mineral metal than another. So, you know, someone can have more manganese than they do, uh, iron. And so, you know, in the beginning, they'll remove a lot of iron and manganese together. And then eventually it, it, the iron tampers off and then you just start removing more, you know, a lot of manganese by itself. So there's, there's there's these different variations of of dumps that can occur, uh, but the amigos is quite significant. Um, uh, I've I've already had two chromium dumps. I've had I've had several uh, elimination or dumps of uh, iron and manganese um, and aluminum. I've removed a bunch of nickel, um, and let's see. And mercury, so it definitely works. It definitely works. It definitely occurs eventually. Um, but we can't. We can't just like, you know, you just can't force the body to to dump a metal that you want to want it to dump, you know, over another. Um, the body might dump certain uh, excess minerals such as iron or manganese or or et cetera before it'll start dumping the heavy metals. So there's different stages, I would say. Um, or the body may need to remove a bunch of lead before it can actually get to removing its excess iron. Um, so we can't we can't force the body to do what we want to do in, in a certain way. You know, we just kind of have to support the body and let the body do what it what it wants to do because the body is very intelligent. Um, 
it'll it'll do what it what it can do in order to um i guess minimize the symptoms uh and this is where going this is where going against what the body wants to do sometimes can create an excess of symptoms that a person doesn't find tolerable or favorable because you're you're not doing it in a way you're trying to force the body too much you know to you know to detox um so our approach is more gentle um it can be a way it can be way more gentle and more effective long term safer long term uh just because we give we give we support the body with with the right minerals uh that uh kind of change the 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 ratios uh, in a certain way in order to give the body ability to detox deeply um and this has a lot to do i would say with um the nak ratio um, but i mean whenever you remove a certain heavy metal this can cause the nak ratio to drop so that nak ratio can fluctuate as a person heals detoxes from heavy metals um uh so but yeah so you know the the nak ratio is pivotal here um I, I see a lot of people that are that are even even children today. A lot of them were born with a very low NAK ratio, below one, which is um, very low vitality uh, in terms of um, the ability to even remove heavy metals. Um, so, you know, I had one client where uh, it was it was a child and they had a very low NAK ratio and they happened to be exposed to lead. At an earlier age, and but the hair lead level was very low. It was it was what we call a poor eliminator. Um, the body is not able to remove it, so the body can can remove these heavy metals like it should whenever the NAK ratio is off. So just by improving by raising that NAK ratio, you, you give the body you give the body the ability to remove these poor eliminators to change that. Yeah, actually, uh, I wanted to kind of, I didn't put this in the notes, but uh, I wanted to ask you, like, how early can you start testing your children? I know it's probably pretty hard for them to get them to swallow pills at a young age, but I didn't know if you were like, we're using some liquid forms instead, but how young can people start getting their kids checked? Yeah. So I, I guess that's the more, I mean, that's a, that's a very uh, sensitive uh, area, you know, age group, uh, simply because um, if they're usually I feel more comfortable whenever probably the child is at least, uh, I would say maybe three. Uh, but this isn't always necessary because, you know, a parent can, you know, our, uh, our supplements are a hard tablet so they can, they can crush it up and then they can put it in the smoothie. I tell people to do a smoothie or something or find a way to put it in the food, uh, to get the child to consume so there's ways around it versus just having a child swallow a pill which is kind of like you know maybe barbaric and uh, to some people it's like i'm, I'm not gonna give my child my two-year-old or one-year-old all these pills <laughs> um and so i try to kind of uh pinpoint the most important areas more the most important supplements to where they may only have to take three you know three you know three supplements you can do a lot of a lot of changes with uh, so, so they don't have to do the full program, to be honest. Um, the more the merrier, though. Um, but, um, but yeah, so it's, um, but I think, I think the youngest that I've seen so far is, is one. Um, 
but you know, some one-year-olds they have such significant health issues that you kind of have to find a way to um, to work it in there, to work it in so that they can uh, heal. Because I mean, we're just not talking about resolving certain symptoms that are obviously problematic, but we're also talking about their development. Because whatever whatever they're deficient in early in life, or whatever they're toxic in early in life, plays a big role in what they their health, you know, plays a big role in their uh, health status later in life, you know, as adults. Um, so, you know, lead exposure is probably one of the most uh, well-known in terms of early exposure and whatever uh, change, whatever health issues it can cause in adulthood. Um, even even if you even if your lead exposure, even if your acute lead exposure stops. I say acute because we're we're always going to be exposed to more lead in some way. Just because it, it's not, you know, these heavy metals are not biodegradable. You know, they're not going anywhere. Um, so uh, a lot of this air pollution, I mean, they're they're here for the long for the for the long haul unless we figure out a way to remove it from from the air, from from the food, um, from the water. Um, and now, I, yeah, but. It's just these heavy metals and they even recycle. It's like, you know, you know, the body, um, but yeah, I mean, eventually, I mean, it's not, it's not biodegradable. So it's not like it's going anywhere. Um, you have to do a major, major cleanup of heavy metals everywhere in the environment in order to really see, um, uh, a better, uh, you know, better health status in in uh, uh, future um, offspring, but but yeah, the one year old. So, uh, but yeah, uh, lead exposure is is pretty significant early in life. So you, you kind of want to you want to you want to tackle that in the in in the quickest way, but also in the safest way, um, because we're we're talking about their development, their mental development. You know, every aspect of their body is critical. You know, at that stage. Um, and, and they can be more sensitive to heavy metal toxicity as well. They're developing brain and et cetera. So it's important to, in this case, to, to raise the low NAK ratio and to correct other, uh, mineral imbalances in order for their development to, to really, um, uh, pick up or improve. I mean, pick up and improve or just, you know, I mean, I, I guess I could say normalize, but you know, you know, normal is kind of like what is normal nowadays. That you know, so normal is just relative to what a person thinks that you know what they think is possible. What is optimal health? What is what is possible in terms of development? Um, and even even with kids, I see that when I when I balance their minerals in a certain way, you know, they 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 uh, their speech improves, like so many aspects of development improves, like it's quicker, like they, uh, uh, they just develop quicker. Um, you know, uh, I, you know, Dr. Wilson calls it a super, super baby, super children. And, you mm -hmm. know, they just, um, they do very well so when you give them the right minerals, you know, at balancing the oxidation rate and improving their NK ratio. Um, they, they can have, they can have certain uh, symptoms that pop up, um, but they'll, so you'll have them, you'll have, a, you can have detox reactions 
and you can have improvements. So like, for example, whenever you increase a child's NAK ratio, all of a sudden they might become more emotional uh, because when you increase the, the NAK ratio, you cause that person to be more assertive with their emotions because they now have the energy to be more assertive, to, to, uh, to express themselves. Um, so, uh, so yeah, they can become more assertive or they just release more emotions. Um, because that's, that's what is required at times to heal is releasing. Uh, it's just a, a side effect of healing bodies. You release certain emotions. I mean, you're, you might, you know, get a little, uh, temperamental. I mean, it's just part of the process, um, that, that the, you know, the body does in order to heal. Um, um, but you know, it, it can be a heavy metal that kind of changes whenever you dump a heavy metal, it can create an emotional disturbance. Um, but usually whenever someone's NAK ratio is very low, they, they, they can experience more detox reactions just because their vitality has been so low, has been so low for so long or the vitality is so low in general that the moment you start to increase their vitality, their body just cleans house, you know, and, and this can be emotionally too. You know, we can, we can hold in emotions um that it are actually can create health uh you know problems you know create health problems or disturbances and, and et cetera that um we have to like as we heal we just release them we, we you know we release these pent up emotions and um it's not a negative thing it's you know it's something to celebrate i mean you're becoming more assertive you're you're able to express your emotions in a way that you're just not hanging on to, to hatred and stuff. You're not hanging on to, to anger. Um, and, and that's what, this is what's hard for some people to understand is that it's like, well, I don't, I don't feel angry right now, but at the same time, it's like the slightest bit of stress can create an emotional disturbance in me. Um, but, but, you know, it's like, even though you're not angry right now, it's like, there, there's still emotions that you're hanging on to that are creating health issues, creating health problems. And it can be more severe as it down the road. So we kind of just facilitate healing in a way that uh, releases these emotional tags, I would say, in the body. And you might you might have you might, you know, you become more assertive, you know, express it. Um, but, you know, this this is common with iron toxicity. Uh, very common with iron, uh, just because, you know, iron has, you know, and when it comes to the amygdala and, and et cetera, um, you know, in the hypothalamus, the, the iron can accumulate in the hypothalamus and the amygdala and to the point that, um, you know, it can it can create these emotional states to where it, it uh, symbolizes anger and et cetera, especially when we when we mobilize it and release it from the body. Uh, and someone, someone can actually slow down their healing whenever they, you know, they may not like their, their emotional response to the program. And so they either stop the program completely because they don't, they don't want to release, they don't want to re retrace that emotional, that emotion. Um, so they kind of just hang on to their iron instead of following through the program and just letting their emotions come out and et cetera. So. There's, you know, it gets pretty intricate when it comes to the, you know, 
the emotions, you know, trying to um, to hold in certain emotions. I mean, you can't really you can't really heal the body in a significant way, and at the same time, just kind of hold on to, you know, certain emotions that create uh, mental imbalances. It's just not possible. Um, so you know, it's it's just the clearance, emotional clearance from the body that are, you know that occurs. Yeah, I agree. And I, I think that the minerals play a giant piece in the emotional process. But uh, before we jump into some of the copper questions that I have, uh, I wanted to ask, would kind of like what I'm doing right now, like we're planning on starting to try to have kids later this year. Have you seen any benefits working with people like throughout pregnancy, doing a mineral balancing program to where they have, you know, better offspring who might have a better mineral outcome? Yeah, so... There's there's de- there's definitely a correlation between you know four lows, so it's not good to be in a four lows. Uh, and 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 if a person you know gets pregnant, even though they're in a four lows, they have to take a mega pain or something. They have to take a multivitamin, even though it's not ideal. Um, a four lows is pretty significant when uh, when it comes to pregnancy and also probably a a low NK ratio. Uh, so um, two low of an NK ratio or um, a four lows or a very low zinc level uh, because you actually, especially if, if someone is having multiple, multiple kids, I would say, uh, but it's not always the case. You know, your first child can be born with a zinc deficiency just because you had a zinc deficiency before you, before you even had your first kid. Um, so, you know, I think zinc is pretty critical. Um, zinc in the NAK ratio. Um, just because I say that because just recently, you know, I've been doing more testing on, um, you know, pregnancy or pregnant women and or women that have had multiple kids um, and they just got done with a pregnancy. And so I see the correlation between their hair test post pregnancy and their child that is maybe two years old. So, you know, there's, I, I love getting testing done like that, like that, because you, you're st- you start to build relationships that you need to see um, in order to gain a bigger perspective of what happens, especially when it comes to uh, severe mineral derangements that are passed on to the child. Um, so, you know, if, if a pregnant woman has a low NK ratio, usually, the child has a very low NK ratio too. Um, or if a pregnant woman has a very low zinc level, the child's uh, zinc level can be extremely, extremely low. And I've seen this in one, one, pa- one uh, patient or client. Um, I think uh, he was five years old and he had a zinc, a hair zinc level of uh, four, four. That's the lowest I've ever seen. Um, and the, uh, the mother was actually low in zinc too. Not that low. But so whenever you get down to maybe 12, 10, I mean, that's, that's very severe. And so your child can be even lower in zinc, you know, hair zinc. And it can drop, it can drop down to four. And, um, and in this case, you know, they had a low zinc level and a low NK ratio. The child did. And so, you know, they had, they had, obviously they had certain symptoms. I'm not going to say, but, um, my, my biggest objective in that case was to um, raise the NK ratio um, 
the oxidation rate or correct the oxidation rate and 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 focus on that zinc. That zinc is critical. Um, and uh, in this case, I actually had them take the um, well, I had, I had them take the lymph commit, which raises the NAK ratio, and I, I put them on the upgraded uh, formula zinc. Um, just because you know, I, I think uh, I think that's I think that can be very beneficial whenever you're trying to correct a zinc deficiency quickly. Um, just because you're you're bypassing, you know, certain uh, mechanisms of you know digestion, et cetera, absorption. You're bypassing certain things that can hinder the proper absorption of of zinc, um, and it gets uh, delivered directly to the cell um, in, in a very quick fashion. And and so that's why I think the uh, that nano zinc is probably uh, very effective at uh, resolving certain issues quickly when it comes to Especially with children, when you don't want to, you don't want to give them too many pills. You know they can tolerate liquids better. Um, so that's why I, I definitely, I definitely suggested the uh, that upgraded zinc, um, upgraded formula zinc. Um, I mean it's like uh, 18, 18 milligrams, which is a good dose. I mean in my opinion it's not too high to where it's lower than a carrier even more. And you know I would have to say you know to the listeners is that taking too much zinc can be negative. Like I'm, I'm pro zinc. Like I can talk about zinc all day, but at the same time, if you have a low NK ratio, you don't want to take too much zinc. Um, you, you, you feel it. I even feel it. Whenever my NK ratio drops, and I take 50 milligrams of zinc uh, for you know, probably about a few days, five days, I, I notice the, uh, the difference because zinc can actually lower your NK ratio even more. Um, so that's why you know uh, Dr. Paul Eck and his genius was like, you know, zinc should only be supplemented by itself at, you know, 50, 50 milligrams or, or maybe 75 to 80. 75 to 80 is kind of pushing it. I don't think that's really necessary at times, but I, I generally stick around 50 milligrams when the NK ratio is high. Um, but it's very effective. Like it, it doesn't, it doesn't, it does not create a, um, a copper deficiency. I, I have not seen that at all. Uh, I don't think that it uh, I don't think it negatively impacts the ceruloplasm at all. I haven't seen that. Um, there are cases to where, uh, you know, if you're kind of going off topic a little bit, but um, when you when you combine vitamin A with zinc, it, it can actually raise the uh, ceruloplasm level. Um, so there are times to where zinc supplementing zinc can actually raise your hair tissue copper. Um, uh, simply because there are many relationships between zinc, zinc, uh, vitamin A, retinol, and copper. Um, uh, so getting to the retinol and zinc uh, uh, discussion, um, zinc. So zinc helps with uh, uh, vitamin A utilization, not so much for vitamin A getting into the liver, but for vitamin A, uh, you know, for vitamin A to to be transported from the liver is where zinc is absolutely critical. Um, and this is actually seen with, uh, definitely with retinal, retinal binding protein. Um, the uh, RBP actually increases its highest whenever someone uh, zinc is supplements with zinc. And this has been shown in studies with uh, uh, women breastfeeding. Uh, 
when the milk is, when their milk is, well, when they supplement with zinc during breastfeeding, there are, the retinal binding protein increases. It's at, it's at its highest versus women that don't supplement zinc while breastfeeding. And this is absolutely critical for uh, the, uh, the baby's development. Um, you know, uh, so, you know, because they're able to use, because vitamin A plays a huge role in brain development, a huge role. And so you want you want that you want their you want the zinc and RBP you know high enough to where it facilitates proper development of that baby, um, you know, to where the breast milk is enough to satisfy the baby's development or need. Um, but yeah, so there is that relationship. So you know, by by supplementing. Um, Zinc and vitamin A, you can increase the the way that uh, you know it can actually improve copper utilization in some ways. Um, so you know because I would have to say that in order to create to increase ceruloplasmin, supplementing copper is not the only way to do it. Um, uh, so you know I I look uh, so when I do my research I look at different ways to to do something versus just singling out one way to do it um, or focusing on just one way to do it, which is to raise real plasma, you, you supplement copper. Uh, that, that's where the diversity of the NIK, NIK ratio comes into play. Like we don't supplement zinc by itself when the NIK ratio is high. You know, when it's low, we actually give additional copper, even to a salt Um So even salt oxidizer can get a, about I mean, if you make about, you know, six to seven times per day, you're still getting about four milligrams or more um, of copper, which is which is quite significant whenever you're actually improving, when you're also improving the way the body uses copper. So you can, you know, I can supplement someone with copper, but, you know, supplementing copper alone doesn't necessarily improve the way that they're metabolizing or utilizing copper. Um, and, you know, this is seen with, other minerals too, magnesium, vitamin A. Um, but I'm gonna have to, I'll have to say too that um, uh, uh, there's other, yeah, so there's this other uh, child that I worked with um, that suffered from seizures. And, you know, the, the parent was a close follower of my page. And, you know, I talk about zinc picolinate a lot or just zinc in general. And so they decided to give their uh, their child with seizures. I mean, the child was only like, I want to say two years old, um, around there. And uh, they gave a liquid form of zinc picolinate with vitamin C. Um, and they were able to go off the seizure medication. And they were trying, they, were, they asked me, it's like, well, was there a correlation between that and uh, their, her, the person's uh, viral infection that they had, you know, I think it was like several months before because um, they noticed that right after a viral infection, uh, the child started to develop seizures. Um, and the and so they went on to see your medication and, and it was it did. Uh, it did work to a certain degree. But then they started adding the zinc picolinate with vitamin C uh, in liquid form. And then they were able to completely go off the medication. And um, the, the they only have residual residual uh, 
symptoms, I would say. Like it's it's a lot minor compared to just uh, a full-fledged seizure to where half the half the body goes numb and they just fall over. Um, so that that completely stopped, but there's still some sort of, there's still aspects that need to be corrected because zinc can't do it all. I mean, zinc won't do everything for you. So this is where, um, but it, it will help and it can help in a significant way to where something, you know, it makes it more tolerable, you know, um, improves it dramatically. But in this case, you know, they, 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 they need to balance, they need to balance their oxidation rate and raise their NAK ratio, which no zinc alone will not do. I'm not saying that, you know, zinc is so good that it'll replace the activity of other minerals or, or et cetera. That's not the case, but zinc is, zinc is so, so effective at times to where it can improve a health condition in, in a big way, but it won't take you to optimal health by itself, obviously. Um, but, um, but yeah, so we, uh, but yeah, I had to focus on raising the NAK ratio too, but you know, the zinc, it, it was powerful and they, uh, this person had a low hair zinc level too. Um, and there's there are certain times to where uh, replacement therapy can can work to a, to a degree. It can take you, it it can give you uh, improvements to, to to a certain degree. I would say um, it can only take you so far, in my opinion. Like like you were saying, like you're taking random supplements and you're feeling better, and that that absolutely happens. You know, I did that in the past, and obviously when you start to supplement your body with extra nutrients, I mean you're you're probably going to function better. Um, but when it comes to significant mineral derangements, uh, it usually requires more um, in order to really get back to optimal optimal health, where you just you just feel amazing. Um, and uh, but yeah, and we were yeah. So yeah, I think that's actually a good segue um, into you kind of touched on some of the copper stuff, and this is why I actually wanted to have you on. Because you actually have a more balanced approach uh, than the Copper Revolution stuff, <clears throat> as where you say, like you already kind of explained, where there's certain instances where you do give a pretty high dose of copper, but then not everyone needs more copper. Some people need to dump some copper in your in your opinion. So what do you think are like some of the dangers of just, uh, you know, everybody just supplementing the high dose copper? So, you know, it's... Um... Because, you know, whenever you supplement copper, if you're supplementing with a very bioavailable copper, it's obviously going to uh, impact other minerals. I mean, you can't, you can't, uh, it's not possible to supplement one mineral and not affect another. Uh, just because each, every mineral has a relationship with another mineral in some way, um, either directly or indirectly. You know, there's some sort of connection there. Um, so... You know, Dr. Paul Eck, uh, you know, he uh, he figured out a way to correct a copper imbalance by by also by correcting a low NAK ratio and a salt oxidizer. So, you know, people that benefit from taking extra copper, I would I would say that they, they probably have a low NAK ratio or um, or they're a fast oxidizer. Uh, now, you can now if it was in if it was another case, then, you know, you can. Probably you can you can get by with supplementing copper as long as it's balanced with zinc or other minerals. Um, so it's sort of like someone taking a copper zinc supplement. 
it's like they're taking extra copper and they feel great. But, you know, but I would have to argue, but at the same time, they're also supplementing zinc that kind of keeps copper in check. Um, so, you know, getting getting into the biochemistry of it, um, metallothionine, it actually creates safe storage for, for copper. So um, uh, in order for, so basically when copper is absorbed, it it uh, is facilitated by glutathione, um, and then glutathione can transfer that copper into the MT, uh, metallothionine, in order to create a cell, safe storage for it. Um, so glutathione actually plays a huge role in copper utilization at the beginning stage. Um, now, you know, so usually we just supplement copper with when the NK ratio is low or someone's in fast oxidation. Other cases is when someone has uh, a very low calcium magnesium ratio and a low uh, NK ratio. Now, this is what this is what we kind of call a death pattern, simply because someone can have a, an acute heart attack. Uh, um, something that, you know, heart attack just kills them, basically. Um, it's a very fatal heart attack, and this is because the NAK ratio drops very low, and so does the calcium-magnesium ratio. Because um, calcium signaling, having enough calcium is critical for healthy heart function, especially calcium signaling. So you you, want, you have to have that calcium-magnesium ratio just right. So you're looking at a cal, uh, uh, the calcium signaling and the I guess I would say the electrical, the electrical uh, commu uh, communication of the heart. Uh, and so when the NK ratio drops too low and the calcium magnesium drops very low, it's like it's a it's a double it's a double it's, it's double stress on the heart. And so you know usually when they have a heart attack, it's not a minor heart attack; it's a major one, just because of those double because of that double low ratio. And in this case, we give them very high dose copper. Because uh, copper does, copper raises the sodium level and it raises the calcium level. So giving someone about 10 milligrams of uh, very bioavailable copper, it can um, it can save them from having a severe heart attack. And uh, I was actually in this case one time. I had this pattern at one time. I was a UPS driver uh, several years back and I was highly stressed. Um, uh, I was so stressed to the point that I developed this double low ratio. and Thankfully, I came I came out of it. Thankfully, I knew what I knew, and I did periodic testing, and uh, uh, I, I came out of it by doing high dose copper. So there's there's times to where, uh, you know, a person has a certain mineral pattern ratio that you know giving a lot of copper is can save their life, no doubt. Um, so there's there's a time and place with high dose copper, in my opinion. Well, that's the approach we take. Um, because with soil oxidizers, we don't necessarily, the only time we give them extra copper is, you know, through lumpicamin. But that copper and lumpicamin is balanced with, with uh, zinc, uh, magnesium, manganese. So it, it's a much different effect than just giving someone copper alone at trying to raise the NK ratio versus giving copper with other minerals that kind of balance the effect of copper. Uh, because it's not just about giving someone a bunch of copper uh, in order to raise the low low hair copper level because you don't you don't necessarily know because um, you have to know how uh, doing that will impact the other ratios um, and it could potentially make it worse 
especially when you're not giving it with other minerals that kind of uh, counteract the toxicity of copper. Um, and, you know, because copper excess is real. I know many programs try to act like copper excess is, isn't real, but at the same time, they, they say that you can take too much zinc or you can take too much iron, you know, you can have iron toxicity. It's like, you know, if you can have iron toxicity, if you can have zinc toxicity, why can't you have copper toxicity? It's like, is that the anomaly that, you know, that that's not possible? Um, so um, it's like you can have everything else, you know, you know, that's, you know, in high amounts, but copper isn't one of them. Uh, so, you know, I don't I don't uh, I don't fall for that that charade or for that mentality uh, simply because I'm like, you know, it's just like with zinc. It's like I agree that zinc is you can supplement, supplement too much zinc, you know, at a certain time. Um, uh, so. But yeah, um, but so salt oxidizers, they're only given copper when they have a low NK ratio. So we kind of improve the the body's ability to use the copper that they have. It's not because hair doesn't necessarily necessarily show how much copper you have. It, it can show you how, how you're using copper, but just because you have a low copper level doesn't mean that you're low in copper. Um, and, and it's the same case with blood, just because you have a... a a low copper level in blood doesn't mean that you necessarily have um, low copper storage uh, because you can still have a lot of copper somewhere in the body and it not show up in blood or hair. Um, so that's one of the, I mean, that can be the case with, with other minerals too. So, um, but hair is a very good way of measuring how well you're using a certain mineral. Um, and how well is you know how well you're using transporting et cetera. So you know a low copper level in a in a sulfoxidizer is is different than a low copper level in a fats. Um, it has a different effect uh, because um, there there comes a point to where I mean you would have to do a a study a very controlled study to where I would have I'll get sulfoxidizer and all I do, all I would do is give them you would give them two milligrams of copper. You know, to a, to a group that are all oxidizers and 10, 10 milligrams of, of copper to to fast oxidizers, and that's all you would give them, um, and see how they respond. And you would have to, you know, basically experiment for you. Know, you, would, you would have to do that for, I mean, I would say maybe a few months, not even sometimes not even that long. And you'll and each group will will most likely have a different reaction to that to that 10 milligrams of copper and just that alone. Because, you know, a lot of people, you know, people can do other things that kind of um, kind of improve certain aspects of their energy, but they may only tie it to the copper that they're taking. It's like it's like I'm taking an extra copper. And so I got good energy levels. But on the side, I'm actually doing these other things, too. So that's why I like certain studies that are very controlled to where you just take the average Joe in, in each oxidation pattern and. You don't change really anything else that they're doing, and you just give them two milligrams of, co of copper, and you and you you just and you just take notes of, of how each person feels. To me, that'll be the the most epic and and determining, um, and the kind of correlating it to their hair mineral uh, test too, where you know these salt oxidizers they they have low copper, and these fast oxidizers have low copper too. But you know, we're not, we're on, the only thing we're gonna do is give them more copper each one. And you, you can find out how a person 
you know, whether or not they get better. And yes, they might have they might have some improvements, but you also have to deter, you know, gauge what other negative aspects they have, especially long term. It's like, for example, let's just let's say you go on a mono yeah. diet. Or, you know, a very, you know, let's say you go on a carnivore diet or something and you feel great in the beginning. But, you know, on certain diets, you know, you can feel great. And then all of a sudden it's like, man, I don't feel so good. Um, you know, it, it kind of it, it can change. You know, you can you can you can kind of you feel you feel a difference. You feel an improvement. And then all of a sudden it's like you kind of go downhill some ways, certain aspects. And so you have to start supplementing that diet with other things in, in order to get back what you lost on that mono diet. And, you know, this happens on carnivore, you know, I can bring up a certain name that, you know, a person, uh, someone big in carnivore, they started out with that monodite and they start adding more fruit and other foods. Uh, and this happens for a reason. Uh, and uh, so, you know, it's all about the long term effect of what you do, not necessarily short term, uh, because uh, what you do short term, uh, I mean, what you do for a long period of time can eventually uh show up, you know, in terms of symptoms or, or et cetera. And, um, but yeah, so, you know, I would, I would prefer a control study like that in order to really, but generally, you know, our, you know, our approach overall, I mean, we see great results in terms of, uh, the changes that we can, that we can see on air test. So, you know, it's not just about, so it's about really the evolution of, of a person's healing. So like they can start in one uh, one mineral pattern and you and they and they retrace another one because there's there can be multiple mineral patterns underneath uh the one that I'm seeing on a hair test, the surface. Because you know, you went through 20 or 30 years of you know perhaps different mineral ratios and patterns, usually not patterns, it's usually different ratios at times, especially if you if you develop a certain um you know disease I, I mean it's like if you get a certain viral infection it can it can change your mineral ratios but any type of stress can can change your mineral ratios um it can change the oxidation rate but it tends to be more of the nak ratio the calcium magnesium ratio and you know uh not so much the oxidation rate but that's not that's not always the case i mean it's like saying that someone that is born into soil oxidation will never will, will never go into fast in a natural way or you know and speed up in a natural way. I mean it's possible, but I rarely see that unless they're doing something very special to bring them out of a slow and push them into like a faster oxidation rate. Um, it doesn't it usually doesn't happen in a natural natural way where you just do typical things to improve your health. Um, so you, you just you just have these changes in these mineral ratios that you have to retrace at times. So this is the this is where hair analysis gets its uh, greatest uh, uh, you know greatest results. That, that's where that's where you know I like to see uh, that's where analyzing hair testing is is you know gives us its uh, its importance is the the ability to you know heal the body in a significant way to where it'll retrace its previous uh, mineral distortions, ratio distortions. Um, and we, and we see this. Um, and but yeah, I think, I think I kind of went off topic, but yeah, no, it's, 
It's all good. Um, I'm, I just want to give my input on the copper protocol. And, and it was, you know, there's higher levels of zinc on Jason's protocol. I think people who haven't looked into it think that it's just high copper, but he's got boron and chromium yeah. and he's got all these other minerals in there. He's done a lot of research and his book is linked with a yeah. lot of research and data. Like he's not just like blindly yeah. saying, take a whole bunch of copper and that's it. He's got vitamin C yeah. on there and other things. Um, yeah. So it's like, you know, it, it was always a higher zinc ratio than copper. Maybe that's why I was feeling better or whatever anyways. Yeah. But I, you know, I eliminated yeah. shit tons of parasites, like I, I insane amounts. Like I just, I don't know if that yeah. copper sulfate was just going in there and bombing the system or what, but what I know, whatever my digestion's definitely yeah, better copper from sulfate that. Is if, if anything, I definitely, yeah. um, I think it might be the most potent parasitic, like kill off, uh, supplement you could probably take, but long term, yep. I started to feel like you know I was increasingly getting better for a while, and I was still eliminating parasites, but I was like kind of felt like I was starting to lose energy instead of keep like the momentum wasn't still yeah. going, you know. And I was like, you know, maybe I should um, get a HTMA from somebody who I actually respect and see what's going on there. And, and honestly, I my ratios still weren't that great, you know what I mean? Like I. You know, I was I was getting through yeah. life, but I was still having brain fog and little fatigue and my workouts kind of sucked. So honestly, I think blindly taking the minerals kind of gave me a little bit of vitality back and eliminated some parasites and helped with some gut function. But overall, I don't think it was going to cure me until I actually got like, you know, a test and got on a specific protocol. It's too early for me to say I've only been taking the supplements like just under a week. So it's going to take some time. So I'll have you back on as I get a few more tests and we'll, we'll talk about how that shifted. But, um, it's just, I, I don't know. Some people seem to do really well on it. And then I don't know if anyone's really healing themselves blindly taking the minerals. Yeah. And so, um, at the same time, it's like that can be, so, you know, someone can create a program that works for maybe, 60 to 80 percent of the people in a certain way, uh, just because a certain amount of people probably have a very similar mineral pattern on their on their hair test, such as a uh, low NK ratio. Um, well, in my in my uh, in my opinion, this would be more oriented towards a low NK ratio because but at the same time, if you give too much copper, then it can counteract. Well, copper can raise the sodium. Um, and so it can improve the NAK ratio in, in some aspect. It just depends on how poor of health a person is because you can give someone extra copper, but if they're really in poor health, then it won't make much dent in the NAK ratio. They need more, such as manganese and et cetera, vitamin C. So I like that, you know, that he does other things. Um, but at the same time, like there, there is a balancing effect between zinc and copper at times to where, you know, copper will, or raise the sodium, zinc will kind of come behind and lower it, kind of, you know, keep it balanced. Uh, copper can raise the calcium, but zinc will come in and kind of keep that from happening. You know, it'll lower the sodium. So zinc is very diverse. It can actually, zinc can actually raise or lower the calcium magnesium ratio depending on the situation. So zinc has that, bio, you know, it has that dual ability there. Um, but zinc usually always lowers the sodium in a K ratio. Um, uh, so there is that balancing effect there to where you won't necessarily get, you know, worse long term, 
Um, but other aspects may may change depending on the ratio between copper and zinc that you're taking or, you know, uh, how the body is using copper, how it's storing copper, just a multitude of things that, 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 that may be going on that determine how the body is using zinc and copper. Um, and so there's, you know, when I look at a hair test, you know, you give someone more copper and raise their sodium level. But what if they have a low magnesium level? That could be a problem. Um, because magnesium and copper, magnesium can actually help you detox copper. It can actually have, it can actually antagonize copper. Um, and especially copper storage uh, in the liver or something. Um, so there's, there's these synergistic and, uh, you know, there's synergistic, synergistic relationships and then, um, you know, antagonism that, that occurs between minerals that, that, you know, my opinion has to be taken in consideration. Um, so, you know, like I was saying before, certain programs, you know, they, they, they may not help a subset of people because it's, it's, it's too much of a hit and miss. So with, with our hair testing, we're, we're actually able to tell without, you know, what you need without a hit and miss approach. Like you can, you can improve 60% of the people, but miss, you know, the remaining, but you can still, you still get a lot of success from that 60%. Just, that's just because you're, you're improving uh, the health in a certain way that applies to a certain group of people with, with this, with similar mineral uh, uh, patterns or ratios. So that, that has to be looked, you know, taken into consideration too. That just because something helps one person, well, there's someone out there with a different mineral pattern or ratio that it's not going to help. It actually makes them worse. Um, so that's why I'm pro, or, you know, uh, my program because I'm actually able to tell what you need at a given time, you know, given point of time versus just kind of like, well, I have I have 60 percent of my clients that feel better on this diet. I'm going to give it to you, too, because, you know, it could help you. <laughs> um but sometimes it doesn't, and, and these people actually lose certain people. So, you know, sometimes you can gauge how well a program works by by the amount of people they lose because their program only only helps a certain amount of people, depending on what ratio imbalances they have. And so the other people, they go and find something else that works for them better. Um, and this happens. This happens with a lot of programs that don't, uh, you know, use – you know, hair analysis and, and et cetera to really determine what a person will benefit, you know, you know, in the best way possible. Um, and, and this is where we also get different, different results from other replacement theory approaches or replacement uh, approaches, because, um, I mean, it's like when you look, when a practitioner looks at a hair test and they see, well, this person has low zinc, this person has low copper, low manganese, let's just give it, let's give it all, let's give everything that they're low in and just, uh, and just, uh, you know, just hope that the body uses in the way that it should and balances the minerals. And that's not always the case. I mean, it's a hit. I mean, sometimes, you know, it does. It does. Uh, it won't work completely, but it may work in some aspect. You know, it improve your health in some aspects, such as you got low zinc, you take more zinc. You will notice some improvement. Um, but if you take too much, you can actually notice a negative, uh, a negative symptom because it may because it has a certain effect on the NK ratio and you already have a low NK ratio. Um, 
so that's why I don't like just, you know, look at a hair test and it's like, well, if you have a low mineral, then I give it to you. Um, it can be a hit and miss. Um, uh, but, but if, you know, if you have low manganese and low zinc and you supplement with manganese and zinc, the question is what ratio are you using between those two minerals? And, um, what is your NAK ratio? If you already have a high NAK ratio, then the manganese will, um, kind of count, it will counteract the zinc. Uh, when when we want to lower it so this is where we have outliers that it, this is more significant when someone has a very high NAK ratio um, they can have a very high NAK ratio and they may have a low uh, hair, hair magnesium uh, manganese but we don't give them extra manganese at, at a high you know at a significant dose that we do with someone with a low so there are variations um, and it's more critical for these outliers that have very severe you know mineral uh imbalances you know with the ratios um so there's always like there's this variation that people can experience depending on just their state of health like how bad how bad of health they are in like what you know do they have severe inflammations you know or severe burnout you know so um but yeah yeah that's dope man i actually got it running short on time here um do you have anything else you want to say about copper or any at last words? Or do you think we've we covered it? Um, I think you wanted to talk about copper and iron. If you wanted to dive into that real quick, see. we could do that. Yes. Yeah, so I was just going to say in terms of, uh, in terms of iron, you know, uh, let's see. So, you know, in cases where there's a, um, so I was just going to add that in case of, of a zinc deficiency, because um, we would get into the divalent uh, metal transporter one, which, you know, is critical for uh, iron absorption and utilization because DMT one transfers iron into the cells. And, you know, intercellular iron is mostly, uh, um, most of that, you know, most of that pull, that iron pull is um, Fe2. Um, it's not Fe3. It's like a lot of what the, you know, heme iron, a lot of what the, the body can use, uh, you know, prefers to use and, and basically uses for its uh, intracellular uh, components is uh, Fe2. Um, and, but, you know, there's, you know, glutathione plays a huge role in how well the the the, the cell uses iron, um, and um, but I was just going to say that you know when it comes to zinc, zinc can actually zinc can actually come in and increase the expression of DMT one so that the body absorbs more iron from the diet. So zinc doesn't always uh, interfere with iron absorption; it can actually increase it in certain cases. Um, and it can also uh, decrease it whenever there's iron toxicity. Um, so there's that dual role too. But um, but whenever someone has a zinc deficiency, they can actually um, they can actually have a higher a higher amount of non-transferrin bound iron in the blood, which is very reactive and uh, creates a lot of oxidative stress because zinc is involved in the transfer of uh, uh, iron from Ceruloplasmin to 
transparent. Um, and so zinc, zinc is needed for that process to occur like it should. Otherwise, there's there's leakage there of non-transparent uh, bound iron. And so that's where that's where zinc actually plays a critical role in uh, iron utilization. But so do so do other minerals such as you know rubidium or selenium. Um, but but yeah, so there's there's that. And so you know this this you know I guess this goes towards you know the Morley Robbins protocol or uh, information in regards to focusing on copper. Uh, iron and uh, retinol and not zinc um, when zinc plays a huge role in um, how the body uses iron uh, it's just not copper um, and zinc plays a role in how the body uses uh, vitamin A uh, because uh, zinc is actually involved in the um, retinol dehydrogenase uh, uh, process to where you know, it's it's converted into the more active form of retinol. Um, zinc is involved here, so you know, zinc zinc is definitely a part of that uh, trio. Um, and I would I would I would also argue that that certain diets actually do increase zinc absorption because you're taking away a lot of the anti nutrients that prevent zinc uh, absorption in the gut from the diet. Um, so. You know, technically, I could argue that his program uh, actually focuses quite a bit on zinc because of the uh, the meat diet. Um, it's uh, as far as I know, it's it's significant in meat and, and not not grain or anti nutrients that, that inhibit zinc uh, absorption. So zinc plays a huge role. And, you know, our program just finds a way to apply this in a very. Uh, uh, scientific approach um, to where we we get a double effect of diet and supplements in a, in a synergistic way. That's dope, man. I actually, man, running short on time. I have to jump off of here. Why don't you tell everyone where to um, find you on social media, your website, whatever you want to give them. Oh, yeah. So my Instagram page is uh, Redox Stasis. Um, and on there I have uh, information regarding uh, hair testing and my website is listed on uh, my um, Instagram page where you can go to redoxstasis.com um, and you'll find the hair testing uh, uh, profile there. Hell yeah, man. I thought it was great. I love all of your content on Instagram. I'll link to it in the show notes so everyone can check that out and It'll be cool because in the intro, by the time this show comes out, I will have been on the supplements more for maybe like a month or something instead of like a week. And then I'll yeah. be able to give more of an updated how I'm feeling on the protocol in the intro that I make the week that it comes out. So that'll be cool. And I'll, I'll be able to give a nice little update there. So thanks so much, man. As we do some more testing in the future, I'm going to have you back on the show. All right, man. I enjoyed it. Appreciate it. Appreciate, appreciate yes. it having yes, you on here. Lay down, brother. If you enjoy this show, would you please take a second to subscribe, rate, and review it for me? Also, if you'd like to know more information about Combo, personalized one-on-one coaching with me, or for upcoming retreat information, which I host with my wife, please visit my website in the show notes or DM me on Instagram. My handle over there is at Integrative Matt. Until next time, my friends. Mm-hmm.